0: Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I get to interview inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine on this life's journey, and they come to me in all kinds of ways. You can learn more about me and my work at Olson.com. I am asking everyone who hears this to please listen to and hit the like button on my TEDx talk called Using Life's Challenges as a Force for Good. Because in that TED talk, I expose a lot of my own secrets that kept me sick. And in so doing, I strive to help others not feel so alone. So the number of likes moves it up on the visibility algorithm. So if you would please hit the like button. Uh, think of it as a little a little bit of comfort you're sending to someone who might need to hear the message. So today I have a guest joining me in the wee hours of the morning from Australia. She was introduced to me by a mutual friend Wayne Warner. A, mus- a talented musician in Nashville and Vermont. Who likes to connect people and I'm so glad that he did. Roxanne McCarty O'Kane does many different things. She is a ghostwriter and writing mentor who works closely with aspiring authors to empower them to become the change makers they dream to be through authorship. Storytelling has been Roxanne's bread and butter since 2007, with a long career as a journalist for newspapers, magazines, and online publications, before transferring her skill sets into nonfiction book creation. Her emphasis on connection to her authors and honoring the uniqueness of their stories has been recognized in many different awards and Competitions for years. You can see them in the show notes. And when she isn't in her writing cave, she leads Ignite and Write workshops and mentors aspiring authors. She also enjoys asserting her dominance in family games of bananagrams, playing her guitar, and curling up in the hammock on the back deck with a good book. So you can learn more about her at RoxanneWriter.com and all of her social media is in the show notes. She's an amazing person. And if you're thinking of writing a book, you should definitely check out her writing services at RoxanneWriter.com. So welcome,
1: Roxanne. Thank you so much, Maria. What a beautiful introduction. Well, there's
0: a lot there. And I edited it for sake of (laughs) our our short Our short time here together, and I just want to say that it appears to me from all the things I read about you that you really go out of your way to allow other people to shine, which I think in many ways displays a great humility about you. Would you say that that's an accurate read? Perhaps.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that that's very kind of you. Actually, um, yeah, I guess that's that's how I've always approached storytelling. So. From the very early years, um, I grew up actually in an environment where I felt like I didn't actually have a voice and I I kept a lot to myself Um, and it wasn't because of trauma or anything like that. I was surrounded by love, um, but my parents actually separated and and divorced when I was two, so I grew up in this, uh, I guess. Two, you know, two very different worlds. And because of that, I felt like, you know, I had to show up at each house and be happy and um, kept a, a lot of things to myself in order to make everyone else around me feel comfortable. And so when I found journalism, I was able to really feel the power of helping other people to find their voices and share their stories and as a community journalist I was able to do that on you know a very small level I'd spend about an hour with each person and their story would get a run for the day or the week depending on which publication it went in Um, but I just felt really lit up by the idea of allowing people to share their stories and to speak up. And for some of them, it was for the first time in their lives as well. So that was really, um, really what made me passionate about storytelling. And then to transfer that skill set to ghostwriting and to uh, nonfiction books where I can spend months on end with someone and, you know, share literally their whole life story if that's what they want to do. Uh, It's just been really incredible to, yeah, to give people the opportunity uh, to follow that calling and to to actually hold a book in their hands and and to shout their message from the mountaintops, oh, um, so yeah, that's that's what really lights me up about what I do.
0: That's beautiful, beautiful. And the image of a phoenix has just entered my consciousness. I read that you are the presenter of the Phoenix Phenomenon. Please tell yes. our listeners what that's about.
1: Yes. So thank you. That was actually a a platform that I created very much, very similar to to your podcast here, only I did it on video. So I went the other way. Um, And it was just a platform for me to share some of the incredible stories of the people that I was coming across. Um, And I did start that early on in my ghostwriting career. So a lot of the stories were just about Um, you know something that really knocked me off my feet and I went more people need to know about this so I would yeah have interviews with with these people but then as time went on I actually switched and only uh, featured guests who were published authors. So either published through a traditional publishing house or self-published and yeah and really just use it as a way to showcase how different everyone's process of becoming an author is. So there's no one size all you know way to tell a story Um, and everyone's stories are very unique and very different. So it was a way to kind of comfort people who were on their journey of becoming an author maybe they were writing themselves maybe they were getting some help Um, but just to show that there's no right way or wrong way that everyone kind of ends up with a book in in very different ways and and yeah and some of those processes were were really enlightening and really inspiring so yeah it was it was really great, actually, and you would know that yourself having written a couple of books um, that you know your process even from your first to second book might have been very, very different. Yes,
0: very true, very true. We all are evolving as humans and as writers, and I'm grateful for that evolution. So did you were you born in New Zealand? I know you started your young life there.
1: Yes, yes. So born in New Zealand. So I lived there for about the first 15 years of my life. And then we moved over to Australia and I've been based here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland ever since. So, yeah,
0: people think you have a New Zealand accent there.
1: No, no, that's long gone. Um, (laughs) Well, I moved over, you see, I was in the last few years of high school and um, you can only say fish and chips. And, you know, there's a few words that that really bring out the, the Kiwi accent and, you know, being being the new toy. Um, you you would get asked to say the same things over and over again, and I read just eventually said, you know what, I'm just going to speak like you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: yeah. Was that challenging?
1: Ah, uh, no, not really. It was um, I and I think you know being a teenager at the time too, you just want to fit in. So there was a huge element of that going on. Um, so yeah, no, it wasn't challenging. It was um, well, moving countries was challenging. Um, especially at that stage, I'd, I'd had friendships that I'd had since I was, you know, a toddler, um, and had to leave all of those people behind, and th- and that was tough. Yeah, I'm not going to downplay that. Um, anyone who's done a lot of moving knows that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, it was the best decision. Like I, I didn't understand it at the time. I was quite happy where I was. I didn't want to move, um, but having you know, had the life that we've had now since the move and the opportunities that have come up. Um, Yeah, mum and dad definitely made the right choice.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sure that was hard. It's always hard to move as a child. But for Americans who, maybe many of whom lump Australia and New Zealand together, what would you say is a big difference between the cultures of Australia and New Zealand?
1: Oh, wow, that's a big question. Um, The main difference, there's actually not too much, to be honest. Um, Yeah, a lot of friendly rivalry between the two countries, probably because the rest of the world thinks that they are very similar. (laughs) Um, But, you know, friendly rivalry, especially on the sporting fields. Um, Yeah, there's only really small um, cultural differences Um, in New Zealand. Um, there's a very strong connection to um, First Nations peoples or the Maori population. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was beautiful growing up learning about that culture and learning the language and learning um, you know all of the, um, the the things that make that culture unique. And when I came to Australia, I found that it was very, um, they were very disconnected from their First Nations peoples. And it's been really beautiful now to see, like I've got children now, um, that that is evolving here in the country and they are starting to yeah, bring in a lot more of that cultural understanding and connection, which, which I feel was really missing at the start. Um, so it's been a beautiful evolution for, for Australia here. Yeah.
0: I love that. I also saw in your bio something about your being an ambassador for No More Fake Smiles. What is that?
1: Yes, so that's a charity that was launched here on the Sunshine Coast, but it is going nationwide around Australia. Um, So it is actually um, a charity that's dedicated to helping young victims of sexual assault. So um, the co-founders are a mother and daughter um, and... uh, Tracy Morris and Annie Jones and Annie was actually sexually abused for several years by her stepfather and so the obviously that comes with a lot of trauma a lot of um, not just for her but for the whole family Um, and her mother was one of the very rare people who um, actually accepted when Annie disclosed because that's a huge thing Um, some many many children who who disclose abuse aren't believed or the parent chooses not to follow through or to protect them. Um, So Tracy was one of these people who leapt into action and immediately um, jumped to the aid of of Annie and, and her children to protect them and obviously going through the judicial system is horrific with young people having to literally carry the load as witnesses to actually see a prosecution happen. Um, so, yeah, the charity is there to support young people to feel empowered to disclose, like to share their stories, mm. um, and also to have that support through the judicial process and also connect them with therapy so that they can heal and and you know not be a statistic going forward so um it really is a charity that's that's close to my heart and just the the two women behind it are absolute powerhouses so um i've been doing a fair bit of sort of pro bono media work for them over the last few years and then yeah they did me the honor of of making me an ambassador um last year or the year before. I'm losing track of time. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a really, really beautiful charity wh- who is, um, you know, changing lives, really. So, wow. yeah.
0: That is so worthwhile. And I, too, am someone who who has been sexually abused as a child and uh, sexually assaulted as a young adult. And uh, I just went to a very impactful free retreat, here in the US, it's it's held in two locations weekly. It's called saprea.org, S-A-P-R-E-A.org. And a very wealthy cosmetics magnate opened his properties to young women who had been sexually abused prior to turning age 18. And mm-hmm. if you want more information about that and you're able to get yourself to either atlanta georgia or salt lake city utah please contact me and i'll give you more information about that it's very worthwhile i had been working on this healing for decades but this brought it my healing to another level so thank you for your work in this area now you you say in on your website your big why we all have a book inside us you may already know what yours could be But more often than not, it is a lack of time or even the uncertainty of how to start or complete your manuscript that has prevented you from achieving your dream of becoming the proud owner of a book. I make it easy to bring your dream book to life, helping you to catapult your profile and your business to the next level. So you talk a lot about your big why, which I love. Mm -hmm. But what, Roxanne, is your big why?
1: Ah, excellent. Thank you. I did allude to that earlier. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my big why, it really is, um, you know, what drives me is a really strong propulsion, I believe, compulsion, um, to help people to find their voice. So um, for so long, I, I kept mine hidden down. I, I didn't speak up. I didn't share what was on my heart or what was on my mind. Um, and becoming a businesswoman actually helped me tremendously in that transformation. And and starting out in the industry as a ghostwriter um, meant that I couldn't share You know the incredible stories or who it was that i was working with because everyone who i work with in that capacity we sign a non-disclosure agreement Mm -hmm. so it's all under lock and key Um, so that really forced me to step up and actually you know talk about myself and talk about my skill sets and what i can offer and that was a huge challenge like for someone who's kept quiet and as a journalist even you hide behind your notepad and and the story's all about everyone else and you only get you know a tiny little byline at the top of the story that most people ignore anyway Um, so it was a really big challenge for me to step up and do that and it gave me a whole new understanding of um, what's involved for people who haven't shared their stories for the first time, you know, that, that they have been holding on to, um, you know, maybe it's trauma, maybe it's just something that they're really excited about, but they're scared, you know, they're scared to put themselves out there. Because being a, an author does take bravery. You yeah. are, you're literally laying it all out there. So my why, having gone through that, you know, that mini transformation, I like to call it, because um, we go through so many in our lifetimes, um, it really just helped me to to connect with with people on a whole new level and and understand their why. Because as an author, you know how much time it, go, it takes, to, time and energy it takes to, to craft the words, to pull it all together, to even, you know, take up you know, um, have enough passion to sit down and write every day or every other day. Um, so for me, it's it's about connecting with people who actually have an inkling of what their why is. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, it's all well and good to say, I'm gonna write a book. Um, but it's like, well, what is the purpose? Like why are you feeling compelled to to share your story and really connecting in with that? So so my why is actually in a way helping people to find their why. Um, because once they once they do, it's like this whole shift in energy happens. You know, like a book is no longer just you know a pipe dream or something that I might slog my way through and it feels heavy and it feels yucky it's it's actually an opportunity to set a part of yourself free and to set this message out in the world where it's going to have this beautiful ripple effect and you know and impact people and inspire people that you've never even met before um that's the power of a book like it goes around the world without you even you know realizing the impact that it's having most of the time um so yeah so my why is very much about connecting people to that and, and giving them the tools that they need to, to see it through, really. That's um, And it is. It, it is all about empowering other people to, to share that part of themselves and to share that story or knowledge even. It might even be a business book, you know, that that can also have the, the same ripple effect. So, yeah.
0: Yes. Wow. There was a lot in that answer. I, <laughs> yes. It reminded me of a quote from one of my favourite authors, Ernest Hemingway, who says that he bled all over the pages of his manuscripts, Mm -hmm. and I felt I could relate to that because in my work, I typically write about things that are bothering me because I process many times through writing, Yes, and so you probably see that. And I wonder, could you share without sharing names an example of an author you helped and how you got that person over the stumbling blocks and to the finish line?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Um, There probably is one who I could share that, um, Actually had really great success once she launched as well. So you know, there's there's a whole process. As you know, it's it's writing, then it's publishing, then it's the marketing and everything that goes beyond that. Um, so this this lady came to me and she had an incredible personal story. So this was a memoir that she was writing, and um, her her first draft or her first attempt she came to me with and. As I read it, um, I kind of knew this lady in professional circles, um, so I had a bit of an idea. She was a real go-getter, like a real powerhouse. And and as I read her first manuscript, I realised that she had actually she'd made herself so small. She'd um, she'd taken on um like so much blame and so much like it just felt really heavy like she was you know the cause of all of her life's dramas essentially and so i kind of you know i hold people accountable for these kinds of things um so we had a a really frank discussion and i and i said to her look like what is it that like there's something missing. And I I actually flagged probably about half a dozen areas in her book where it it didn't feel right. It was disconnected. It was disjointed. And I said, tell me about these areas. And she went, oh my gosh, like that's where I was trying to protect someone. So she was trying very hard to protect her parents or protect herself from her parents because they did not have the best relationship. And she was actually terrified that once she published that they would come after her for defamation and all kinds of things. So she had actually, instead of painting the full picture, she had painted part of a picture and instead of a uh, this confident woman who had done so much to, you know, to protect her young son and to, to build a life for themselves, like this was a, a woman who had been sleeping in the bag racks at school because she was homeless at, a, you know, 13, 14. Um, so massive, massive um things that were happening in her life, and she was putting it all on herself because she didn't want to, I guess, share the full picture. So we had some really great conversations. And this happens a lot with aspiring authors. It's like, well, I don't want to upset this person. And, you know, that person might take offense to what I'm saying. And there's all of that that goes on for anyone who writes a nonfiction book. And so we, yeah, we really talked about it. And and I helped to her to realize that, you know, her book is actually her truth. It's no one else's. Um, And if she takes on and and shares how she experienced things, how she felt, what she was thinking, um, no one can say that that's wrong Mm. because that's her truth. The minute that you go in and go, oh, such and such did this and and it ruined my life. Or, you know, he was such an evil person. Like you can't go in with that kind of stuff. Um, So when she realized that she could actually just sink into her truth, Um, We worked on that second draft together and my goodness, (laughs) the transformation was huge because you could see, like you could actually see the journey that she went through Um, and she was able to share little parts of her home life that she felt comfortable with. Um, So we were able to dip in and and help to, um, you know, set the scene so the reader could get a full understanding of who this woman was and what she went through. Um, she's now, you know, on her own, a very successful um, multi award women- winning businesswoman. Um, but, and because of that, because of that realness and that rawness, you know, she sold her first print run of 2000 books within 12 months. Yeah. And, you know, and there was demand for more. So, um, so she, yeah, that transformation and just that little, little tweak of her understanding that speaking your truth and and writing through your own lens is going to set you free from from any of those other expectations or those worries about, you know, what other people might think. So, yeah.
0: That's beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And I also know that you have had... The privilege of interviewing international celebrities in some of your work are you able to say mention drop any names here i understand if you cannot
1: oh yeah well that was mostly in my journalism capacity so they're fine they're all out in the print for the world to see um yeah so um i guess in a personal capacity it's really interesting because my journalism career has been so long that I actually forget a lot of the time the people mm-hmm. that I've spoken to. Well, I'm <laughs> so it's to like, oh, yep, people, move on. Who the most
0: famous Australian actors are right now probably Margot Robbie. And oh, that, yeah, no,
1: I would love there's so many people I would love to interview that she's yeah. definitely on my wish list. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of international, you know, there, there is Wayne, I, I did have the, the absolute yes. blessing of, of interviewing Wayne Warner, uh, who who we know as a, a national Nashville superstar. Yeah, um, I've, I've spoken to Ronan Keating, who people would recognize that name. He's also a, a singer um yeah but most of them have been larger australian so you know people like hamish blake he's a comedian and and a show presenter um a lot of industry stalwarts journalism stalwarts which Mm -hmm. freaked me out because you know these are people that have been in the industry for 30 40 years and here I am coming along to interview them so (laughs) that was harrowing but yeah it's
0: fun in a way though right
1: absolutely yes and I had a very very close almost with Daniel Radcliffe which I was really excited about but they pulled the plug on the interview Um, I was literally sitting in the office Um, probably, I think it might have been at about 4 or 5 a.m., sitting in the office waiting for the call, and then I got a call from his publicist going, nope, sorry, we've cancelled interviews today, and they never rescheduled. So I was devastated. But, (laughs) yeah. So
0: I, I also enjoy your blog very much on your website, and one of the biggest takeaways from my perusal of your blog is for writers to remember who their audience is. Mm. how uh, some people might have trouble with that like um, some of I do a little bit of book marketing as a side gig and some people simply want to write to give something to their family as a legacy project or yes. some people want to write just to have a keepsake of some sort so when one admits to what their real audience is I'm guessing that that really tailors your approach to how you help them.
1: That's correct, yes. And it also helps them to write as well. So you're right. Um, I have worked with people who have, um, you know, wanted to, to write um, family histories and things like that, or even their life story to, to document that for their children and grandchildren. Um, and that is actually an audience. Um, so there's there's people who, um, and what the reason why that I'm so passionate about that is because it's really hard to cut through when you've got the mentality of I'm writing for everyone. Um, so and i hear that a lot from people that i connect with on the first instance i'll go okay so who's your book for and i'll get oh it's for anyone like anyone can read it you know these people will get something out of it and and maybe these people and maybe these people and and it's like okay well then who are you actually talking to Mm -hmm. um because that actually affects the tone you use it affects you know the anecdotes that you choose if it's a business book it affects um, you know everything really Um, because how we would write say for family members would be very different to how we would communicate with clients or how we would communicate with a you know a professor if it's an academic style book Um, so it's there are so many different voices And getting clear on that, I believe at the outset, also helps to cut through a lot of the fog. It helps you to to understand, you know, who it is that I'm writing to. And I actually encourage people to think about you know, is it is it yourself 10 years ago? You know, are you writing to to yourself and you wish that you'd heard these words before you went through XYZ? Um, or is it a friend that you so desperately want to help but he or she's not ready to listen to what it is you have to say? Mm. Um, there's so many. And just to see the light bulbs come on and people going, ah. Oh, um, Because even though we're writing to this particular person or these particular people, um, it doesn't mean that you're actually excluding everyone else. And I think that's what the fear is. It's like, well, if I pick this one person then no one else is going to hear what I have to say. And it's for everyone, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, but you're not, you're not excluding anyone else. There's still gonna be people that connect to, you know, other parts of your story, or maybe they just think your book title is really funky and they buy it for that reason. You know, there's so many different things that draw people to our books. Um, So it's, yeah, and, but just understanding who it is that you're writing to just helps with so much clarity. Yeah.
0: Wow. And you yourself are an author. Will you tell our listeners about your first book in the series called Ignite and Write, Book One, The Mindful Author?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, a lot of my clients do write books, as I said, with a purpose. And so my book has a very clear purpose um, and the series does. So as a ghostwriter and writing mentor, um, I decided it was time a for me to get some runs on the board with a book with my own name on it (laughs) after writing for everyone else for five years um and b uh it's a it's a real um resource really so the mindful author does take people through a large portion of what we cover in the ignite and write workshops and that is to get to get into the mindset of an author like so to to understand the journey ahead to start to move through some of those mind blocks, those mindset blocks that that throw themselves up and, and I've found a lot of common ones, believe me, um, for first time authors. And really just to set some really strong foundations before you actually start to write. Because um, what I see is that there's so many people that get passionate about writing and they'll just sit down and go. Um, But if you don't actually have strong foundations, and that includes anchoring your why and your purpose and understanding who your ideal reader is, um, that, you know, they can either end up with tens of thousands of words that need really strong structural editing, or they can just get so lost that they actually walk away and don't end up writing anything. So it's about establishing those really strong foundations that you can build a really beautiful manuscript and and book from. So, yeah, so it really is, um, yeah, the purpose of that really is as a resource for people who might want to sort of dip into it at home before they give me a call or, um, yeah just just again it's for reach it's to get that book around the world because there's only one of me and um yeah and just to to help to show more people what's possible so
0: beautiful i like to ask all of our guests the following question what do you do to become your best version
1: Yes, and I love this. I absolutely love this question and, and the whole premises of your podcast too, Maria. Um, so for me, I guess I found a huge shift when I found a book called The Four Agreements, and Ooh. that was by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yes. Um, you know it well, yeah. Yes,
0: I um, actually went on one of his retreats even. Oh,
1: amazing, yes. Yeah. There's many times I wished I lived in the U.S. because everything would be so much closer. Yeah. Um, so yes, it um, that book really changed my perspective on uh, who I am and how I show up in the world. And so for those of you who haven't read The Four Agreements, um, the first one is to be impeccable with your word. So words are my life, um, but words are actually really powerful. So it's about remembering that you have the ability to build someone up or to tear someone down with the words that you use. So to be really mindful about what comes out of your mouth and making sure that it's truthful and that it's always filled with integrity. Um, The second one is don't take anything personally. Now, for someone who was a people pleaser for most of my life, um, reformed people pleaser, I can now say, um, I took a lot of things personally and I would read into something like if, you know, um, if maybe there was a, a bit of a short tone in an email I'd be like oh my gosh what have I done how have I upset this person and that is really heavy energy to carry around um, so and it's about understanding that we can't take responsibility for how other people are showing up in the world mm-hmm. so if there is someone who's having a particularly bad day and they decide to yell at you um, that's not about you personally that's you know you've got to understand that that's you know they're, they're having a moment. Um, and not to take that personally. So, that in itself ha- has really helped me to show up as my best version because I'm not carrying all of that stuff around with me anymore. Um, the third is don't make, <clears throat> excuse me, don't make assumptions. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't know if you have the saying over there um, to assume makes an ass out of you and me. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> that's brilliant
1: thank you so you can take that one away today um (laughs) so um yeah so it's um yeah always being clear on what you want to say and understanding what it is that someone else wants to communicate to you so ask the questions there's no such thing as a bad question um and the fourth one is to always do your best um so there are days when you know, you don't feel 100% or there's days where you are feeling like you just want to curl up and watch Netflix or something like there's no motivation. Um, But it's, it's just always doing your best in any given moment. And knowing that that's enough. That's probably the key as well, knowing that that's enough. So yeah, those four four agreements have been absolutely life-changing for me and yeah I hope for anyone who hasn't come across that book I definitely recommend giving it a read it's not actually a big one either so that's always helpful yeah Yeah.
0: it it is I read that book uh, I have read it several times because I need the reminder all the time
1: of Mm. of
0: the things especially not taking things personally as a fellow recovering people pleaser
1: Yes, yes. Well, it's literally like um, plastered on my office wall. So I see it every (laughs) single day. (laughs) Wonderful.
0: Well, it has been such a delight to share your message with our listeners. And I hope that our paths will again cross. Thank
1: you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's really lovely to spend this time with you. Thank you.